And when I made that amends, it freed her. And I was able to spend that afternoon just talking with her like old times and none of it was ever mentioned and it was like it was gone. And I said to Jay when I came home, my God, why did I wait all that time, you know, and carry that crap around with me? Well, the answer is sometimes it just gets given to you. This clearly was the right time for it to happen. And I can't orchestrate these things, but I can tell you the freedom when every time I tell that story, it just chokes me up. I see her face in front of me. Another one of my victims, it freed her. You know, it, was, it was gone. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Hello, hello, hello. That, thar, was the voice of Mr. Bill C. that you heard at the beginning of this episode. And you will hear so much more from him in just a moment addressing... Steps 8 and 9 in Alcoholics Anonymous, but first things first. This episode, the one you're listening to right here, right now, is brought to you by Ryan and Stephen and Sam. Do you know what Ryan and Stephen and Sam did? Well, let me tell you, they went to our website, SoberSpeak.com. They clicked on that little yellow PayPal tab and they made a contribution. Thank you so much, Ryan and Stephen and Sam, for your generosity. This episode is coming right out to you. We're going to let all the other folks listen on in, but this episode is coming right out to you all. I, John M., will be the chairperson for this meeting between meetings, and I am truly honored and privileged to serve all of you listening in. So take a seat, if you will, around this virtual table, and let's get started. This is Sober Speak, a meeting at your fingertips. All right, I don't want to get, well, I'm going to pretty soon get into Bill C., But I just want to say, I want to give a shout out to uh, Chris. Chris invited me to uh, share my story uh, with uh, their group. Uh, The group is up in New Hampshire, and they talk like a lot of them were from New Hampshire. And the group was called uh, The uh, the Host of Friends. So to Chris and the entire host of Friends group up there in New Hampshire. Thank you once again for inviting me to be uh, inside your space and allowing me to be of service. And in honor of you, by the way, it took me through the entire meeting. I was at the end of the meeting, and all of a sudden I went, Oh, host of friends. I get it. That's from the big book in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'm going to read the passage from which a host of friends is taken. It says, life will take on a new meaning. To watch other people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, to have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss. We know 
You will not want to miss it. Frequent contact and with newcomers, frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. Once again, it was so nice to meet Chris uh, in person, I guess you call it that, at least face to face, be able to see each other and be able to see their group up there in New Hampshire. And thank you uh, for inviting me. And I do appreciate that. All right, folks, now we're on to Mr. Bill C covering steps eight and nine. And you know, when people say, uh, Bill C needs no introduction, stuff like that. And then they go on to introduce them for about 10, 15 minutes. Well, in this case, that is all you need to know. This is going to be Bill C covering steps eight and nine. You enjoy that. And we will have plenty. Oh, listener feedback on the end of this episode. Enjoy Bill C. All right, everybody. So we are very fortunate to be back with Mr. Bill C. from the California area one more time. Bill C., why don't you go ahead and give your, introduce yourself, give your sobriety date if you wish, and tell the folks which part of the world you live in. Bill Alcoholic, uh, sobriety date is March the 27th, 1985, and I'm in Los Angeles, Torrance specifically. Torrance is that on the uh, is that on the right south near Redondo side? Beach, right near the coast, just south of the airport. LAX. Okay, right. Oh, in fact, there was some guy who reached out to you through my uh, email, and he was right near you. Mm-hmm. Super. All right, so um, so today, so last time we got together, uh, basically we covered five, six, and seven in depth. We talked about the. Oh, some of the coronavirus um, happenings and what was going on with that and how AA has responded. And now we're up to steps eight and nine, the amend steps. And this is another of those steps that people will look at on the wall or they've heard about before they even come to AA and they say, all right, well, Number one, I don't want to talk to anybody about my defects of character and, uh, you know, do a fist step or any of that. And then number two, you know, they start looking ahead and say amends to, I I don't know about this one. I'm not going to do that either. So step eight is made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. So I'll just let you take it from there. What are your thoughts on step eight? Well, this is the big bugaboo. Uh, When people are new and they're looking at the steps, they like to get stuck on the third step um, because they don't want to do the inventory. And the reason they don't want to do the inventory is that they're never, ever going to pay back the money. (laughs) That's right. So, I mean, that's somewhat facetious, but there is a lot of truth to that. (laughs) Right. And uh, I, I can't imagine that anybody hasn't felt that at some level, I know that I did. Um, I really think that Bill Wilson said that the the sixth and seventh step is what really separates the men from the boys. I, I really think it's eight and nine. I mean, all of them are difficult. Nobody wants to take a look at this. Nobody wants to, you know, start taking responsibility for their own life when they spent so much time blaming other people for it. It's hard to step out of that. Um, nobody wants to, you know, confess their sins, if you will. Uh, to another person. Nobody wants to talk about that embarrassing stuff and, and, uh, and nobody really wants to do Nobody looks forward to it. Um, and certainly nobody wants to go to somebody that they don't ever want to see again because of the shame and embarrassment of what happened between the two of them. Nobody wants to walk up to that person, look them right in the eye and apologize for their behavior, pay back the money. Uh, you don't, run skippingly into that. Um, when I think back when, when, when I was, we, last time we told the story, when I did my fifth step, I was six months sober and it struck me that it's going to be like this now. Well, part of what this is, part of this new life is this process. And I'm a newcomer in AA. I'm, I'm inside of a year sober and I've got this sponsor and I'm working with him. And it had a snowball effect. I was initially very intrigued by AA. I still am. I still am. I I find the people fascinating and interesting and maddening and irritating and 
all of that, you know, the whole panoply of it, you know, is, you know, forced into this lifeboat with these other weirdos, you know, trying to throw other people out so you can stay alive. You know, I mean, a lot of it is like high school, right? you know, I mean, the, the drama and the, and the emotion of it. But part of it is if you're in with this group, if you get caught up in a group that really believe in the process, and, and that's what happened to me when I look back on it, you know, and I'm still part of that same group. I mean, my, my home group's been the same meeting for 35 years. You know, the Hermosa Beach Men's Stag, where the men are men and the sheep are nervous. You know, I mean, these guys. And there's a real ethic in that room, a real strong ethic, always has been throughout all the incarnations of the meeting. It's blown up and split off and people got pissed, all the the drama of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, but it's never lost that primary belief and ethic of we believe in sponsorship. We believe in working the steps and we believe in paying back the money. We, you know, the, the joke is I used to say for years, you know, pay back the money, all the money, you know, I mean, it's like that kind of thing. Well, even drug dealers, did you violate their trust? You can't. So some people deserve to get their money back. Other people don't. I didn't fall in with that group. I <laughs> fell in with the group with, we believe that this, you do this. It isn't that dark and, and rigid. There's a lot of humor about it, but these guys were actually doing this. And fortunately for me, I figured, well, I want to be part of this. I need to do this. You know, if I'm going to be an AA guy, I want to be a badass AA guy. I don't want to be some lightweight. You know, I mean, that's my MO. (laughs) It's all ego driven. I want to look good. You know, all of it. You know, the motivation is irrelevant. You know, Ayn Rand wrote a book one time called The Virtue of Selfishness. And there is great virtue in that. I mean, I will do good works because it'll make me look good. Mm. I mean, I'll have a selfish motivation. Like people say that AA is a selfish program. No, it's not. But when we say that, it makes us feel better about doing it. <laughs> it's like, it, ultimately, it isn't about me, really. When you, you go down the road, you're going to find out it doesn't have a lot to do with you. It has a lot to do with you getting out of you. Well, the ninth step, I mean, when he was taking notes in my fifth step, he was some of the notes he was taking was certainly about character defects that he wanted to talk to me about later, maybe better clarify them, that kind of thing. The other one was that the, he owes this guy an amends. He owes this person an amends, you know, because I'm telling him the incidences of my life and he's making a list of when he makes his eight step list, I want to make sure this guy's on there and this woman's on there. And, you know, I don't want him to skip over that, you know, well, well, she had it coming, you know, like that. I mean, there's all kinds of rationalization to go on. So he helped me. He says, I want you to make an amends list. I want you to sit down and write down people. You know, he says, there's people that you owe money to. There's people that you injured that you owe them an apology. There's people that you need to rectify. And then there's also a bunch of people that you just hate. Put them on that amends list too. You just, you know, take all the people on the resentment list and put them on the A-step. And then we'll weed it out as we go down. Right. We want to make sure we get everything. One of the primary reasons for making amends is to rid myself of resentment. It isn't just that I owe them something. Sometimes there's people that I need to go to in order to rid myself of the resentment I feel towards them. So the 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 inventory, the fourth and fifth step, the fourth step is important enough to do poorly. You know, do a bad one. Because you're going to do another one. You can, but get the first one out of the way. Do a mm. shitty job. Because then we'll fix it later. Because you're going to do, at five years, you're going to do another one for sure. You know, maybe sooner. You know, but so the first one, do a bad job. Doesn't matter. Nobody gets hurt by you doing a bad inventory job except you. Okay. And the ninth step is important enough to do correctly up front. Don't screw it up. You know, don't do it unguided. You're going to need help doing this. You know, that your sponsor is going to tell you, no, now's not the time to make amends to your ex-girlfriend. Right. Later. Let's do that one later. Let's do mom first, you know. And that is like really good advice because you just want to get laid, you know. I mean, it's come on now. Let's get real. <laughs> you know, if you're anything like me, I mean, the sponsor-sponsee relationship is – when I have a sponsee, I know he's probably as shallow as I am. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's got, you know, I get it. 
You know, maybe I'm less shallow now, but I know where you're coming from. Right. So the other thing about it is I've made amends that I've had to go back and redo because I pulled the trigger too fast and ended up in another argument. Mm-hmm. So, so there's some really good advice that you can get about let's do these first and then we'll do those and like, like that. So the list is important. Some people kind of skip over it. Well, let's just start making amends. Make the list. Make the list and sit down with your sponsor and maybe other people. Uh, example of that is uh, I had a, 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 an ex-wife and a couple of kids up in Oregon. I still do. But back then, this was early on. This was, just, you know, 35 years ago. And I needed to go up to Oregon to make amends to that ex-wife and those two boys up there. And, uh, and so my sponsor, who did not have any kids, he sent me to a men's retreat, and he says, I want you to spend the weekend talking to guys that have made amends to their children before you make that trip up to Oregon. And I, I went on that retreat, and I went, oh, okay. You know, and, I, and there was a, an old guy there, I remember, he's passed away now, Byron Pierce, and he, he was a, an old AA dude. And, uh, and I went up to Byron, I said, you know, I'm going to go up to Oregon and make amends to my kids. And I, I've heard you talk about you know, your kids, how did you go about doing that? And he goes, funny, you should ask. <laughs> he says, I just left a family uh, barbecue that we had. And my older, oldest son and I were in line getting food. And he had had a few beers and we got into an argument and we ended up rolling around in front of everybody in the rose bushes in this backyard. Oh, no. And he said to me, he says, you know, Bill, they hate us for really good reasons. Mm. And uh, I'll, hopefully I'll never forget that. And on that conversation and a few others, but that one specifically, I went up, flew up to Oregon, not expecting that they were going to fall into my arms lovingly. I mean, we have this idea that they'll be so moved by my apology that all of that past will go away. And they go, oh, daddy, we love you. That did not happen. I mean, there was a lot of bad blood there for very good reason. I was a bad husband and a bad father, and it was a nightmare what went on up there. That's where I ended up in the mental institution. So when I flew up there, I flew up there with a very different attitude, which served me well. Mm -hmm. I didn't go up there with a lot of expectation. Maybe a little, but I knew based upon real life experience given to me by somebody that had real life experience, there is real wisdom in Alcoholics Anonymous, real wisdom, real on the ground, straight ahead, right from the horse's mouth, wisdom. The reason that is, is because it's based in experience. You know, what wisdom is, is is experience, the key component, combined with intellect enough intellect to be able to express the experience. And you don't have to be a speaker guy or a philosopher to be able to do that. You can be Byron Pierce at a men's retreat and this young guy walked up to you and asked you, how do you make amends to your kids? And you tell them the story. And the end result of that story is don't have expectations. You know, go up there and make your amends and don't expect it all is going to be well. Maybe that'll happen, but maybe not. You know, so I can walk into it with a, with a with a purity, where I'm not doing this to manipulate the situation. I'm doing it because I need to do it. It should be done. I owe them an apology for my behavior, plain and simple, and then see what happens. You know, and uh, um, so the ninth step is important enough to do with some real guidance. It's important. I have a couple of opinions about this. I have no idea if they're good, right opinions, but I really like them. You know, they're my opinions and I cherish them. And I think I'm right. My belief is is that most people in AA do not do the ninth step. I've been around long enough and done enough workshops and talks and been around people around a good part of the world and stuff where I've got guys will come up to me, primarily guys, not just guys. And they're 20 years sober, and they're intrigued by something they hear, and they want to have a conversation. And the conversation goes somewhat like this, you know, like, man, I really need to step up my game. You know, I haven't talked to my 
sponsor in a while and I haven't, you know, I've heard you were like, you were talking to me, you were talking to me. There's some stuff I haven't done. I said, usually it goes like this. Well, have you worked the steps? And oh yeah, oh yeah, I've worked the steps. And then they stop. There's a pause and they say, not like what you're talking about though. Mm. I haven't done that. Now, am I talking about something strangely unique or special, like a higher level, you know, maybe, you know, like level two or level three kind of that. I don't think so. I think what I'm talking about and what a lot of people are talking about is straight ahead, middle of the road, down and dirty, 12 steps, Alcoholics Anonymous. Nothing special. Nothing special. In our first little get together, I said two things happened to me that, that were just pure luck. One is I just liked AA when I walked in. I just liked it. Not everybody's story. The second thing is, I asked a guy to help me, and he actually did. And what I mean by that is he sat down with me alone in a room together, just the two of us, and we read the book to each other. He didn't give me assignments and send me away and then check off and give me a grade. He sat with me. And one of the things he did when he sat with me is when this ninth step came up, he gave me specific instructions. He said, I want to see the list, and I want to go over this list with you. And when you're getting ready to make amends to the person that you and I pick off the list that we're going to make amends to, you and I are going to do this. I want you to write out what you're going to say to them and then bring it to me and we'll edit it. And then you'll rehearse it so that you know what you're going to say when you go to them. Very specific. Now, at the time, I thought everybody was doing this. How would I know? And I'm a newcomer in AA. I don't know. But I start talking to my fellow sober buddies, my peer group, and it became clear this was not happening everywhere. It was happening a lot, though. I mean, this is a common way of sponsorship, but it's not the only way. And I don't know that it's the most prevalent. I'm not sure about that. But in my experience, when these guys come up to me and they say, not like what you're talking about, this is what they mean. Nobody's ever done this with them. So they've left out a lot of the amends. You can find people that will tell you, you don't have to make amends to drug dealers. You don't have to make amends. If the people are dead, well, it's too late. You know, I didn't run into those people. I ran into the people that say you pay back all the goddamn money, all of it, you know. (laughs) We will be continuing our conversation with Bill C. in just a moment. Just a reminder, you are listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the World Wide Web at SoberSpeak.com. You can also find the donate button on our website. You can use if and only if the spirit moves you to do such. Please keep in mind this is a podcast funded by you, the listener. So we speak as a self-supporting organization through our own contributions. We are not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. We do not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorse nor oppose any causes. All right, now back to Mr. Bill C. Sorry I interrupted you there. What were you saying? Okay, so this is where transformation begins. What has happened prior to this is we've been awakened. I think what happened, well, I know what happened to me on March the 27th, 1985, is I woke up. The rest of the journey is to have that awakening evolve into an awareness where I'm aware that I'm awake and maybe there's something I can do with this. Maybe there's a reason why I was saved. And the ninth step is this awareness really begins to develop. This this is a cathartic, a changing experience. When I walk up to somebody that I don't ever want to see again and I look them right in the eye, I mean, I, I got raised in AA by people that say, you go see them. Don't write them letters. Don't. I mean, in some cases, it's not. You can't always do that. But in with me, they said, "Hey, you can get on an airplane and fly. You fly up to Oregon. Don't call them on the phone." You know, this was before texting and before email. It's like you know, so you just you fly up there, you know, and you, and you do this. So when you see that person, when you look them right in the eye and you say the words. When you turn and walk away from that experience, you are changed right then and there. No waiting period. That'll, this is real action. You know, the first time we take real action, we, we write out an inventory and we do a fifth step. 
this is real action. This is like walking out of the classroom out into the street and applying it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and stuff's going to happen. You know, I mean, you hear some great amends stories. I've got a couple of my own, but you hear the story like the guy that sits down and sits down with mom and dad says, I think I owe you this money. And they pull out the, the file that they've kept. And they said, no, 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 it's this much. <laughs> right. It's like, you know, they're going to let me off the hook. The guy that says, you know, the guy told me I didn't have to pay him the rest of the money. And then the sponsor says, oh, so we're going to quit doing what seems to be working in your life, um, you know? No, you pay him the money whether he right. wants it or not. And if he won't take it, give it away to a charity. You get right. rid of the money. Right. You, know, you owe, it's not your money. It's their money. You hear all those stories are very real stories. The people that I kind of run with in AA have done this stuff. I mean, and, and you can see the change in them. The, when, you, when you go out and do this, it changes you as a person. You know, you'll hear stuff like, put yourself at the top of the amends list. You've been your own worst enemy. That'll pretty much kill you. you know, I mean, I don't know where the hell that came from. You know, those people weren't talking to me, you know, matter of fact, the advice I got is that you weren't your own worst enemy. You were everybody else's enemy, you know, and we're going to go try to clean this up. But the truth about it is you want to make amends to yourself. You want to learn to love yourself before you can love others which is just bullshit. (laughs) It simply, it flat doesn't work like that. You know, I mean, just for practical experience, it doesn't work like that. Put yourself at the bottom of the amends list. By the time you get there, you'll have some Mm self-esteem. When you go, when I went out and did this stuff, when I turned and walked away from it, several things happened. One of which I just started feeling better about myself. Just, you know, and I, and it it took me a while to recognize what had happened, but I'm not a wimp anymore. I have fully taken responsibility for my own life. I'm not a lightweight anymore. I'm not a poser. This is real. I've actually done this, you know, because I'm full of braggadocio, I would let everybody know, man. You know, I mean, you know, I want, I want credit. I mean, my motivation was not real good, but the work got done. Mm-hmm. The humility was to come later, and it did in a storm. But at this point, I, whatever the motivation is, doesn't matter because this experience of doing this will change you. A couple of ones. My dad was at the top of my list. I really didn't like him. And uh, I was about a year sober, I think. He was on the top of the list. He was going to have a little 70th birthday party at his house, and I knew I was going to go. And I wrote out some stuff I was going to say, you know, and Jay edited it. And what, when Jay, my sponsor, would he would edit these things, primarily what he took out was the explanations I was going to give for why I behaved the way right. I behaved. He says, we're eliminating the explanation. They were there. They know what happened. You're just going to make an apology for the behavior itself, and you're going to try and make it right. It's about amending it, trying to fix it or repair it in some fashion, okay? So that's what he would edit out. So on his 70th birthday, and my dad's sober, right? He's a sober guy. He got sober in 1954. So he's an AA guy, right? But he came from a different era. He wasn't, he didn't do the kind of work that I was doing at the time. And I, I didn't know this at the time. This came out later when we had some, when our relationship healed and we were able to sit and talk with each other about stuff. It was cool. So on his 70th birthday, I'm a year sober. And uh, um, after the little party, a small little party, and I took him in the other room, I said, you know, you got a minute, I want to talk to you. And he stopped me. He says, you don't have to do this. And I said, you better than anybody know that I do. So get in the room. (laughs) Exactly like that, you know. And you go, okay. We go into this room and we sit down. And essentially what I said to him was, I know that I wasn't the son that you wanted me to be. And, uh, And I shouldn't have ever spoken to you and treated you the way that I've done. You're my father and I love you and I don't want to hate you anymore. That's what came out of my mouth. Is that what I wrote down? Not specifically. But what Jay helped me with is apologize for not being the son 
that you know he want you he wanted you to be. You know he didn't want you to be this bad kid running around raising hell and getting thrown in jail and you know stealing the family car and all the wonderful stuff. And you don't have to list the transgressions. They were there. They know what was going on. I mean, you can talk about it if you want to, but you know what you want to do is apologize for being who you are. It's like, you know, it's like, it's, you know, I know that I was the spawn of Satan and I'm sorry. You know, it's like pretty simple, right? So we had a conversation. He was very uncomfortable with this. He was, and I believe it's because he never actually did this. And when I did it, it had a profound impact on him. And uh, later on, I was to find out we had. So I, I said that, and then I left. It was a very short, my thing about amends, they should be two to three minutes, maybe at most, mostly. You know, it doesn't have to be a long conversation. Be in neutral ground. Don't get stuck in a restaurant with somebody. Don't go have to have a meal. You want to be able, you want to leave people with the, the, the memory that one day Bill came to me and all he said was, I'm sorry. Not a, don't get, it, get lost in other conversation. You might be with somebody that, that there's a real thing and you're stuck in a restaurant somewhere and then a fight might ensue. You know, you don't know what, I don't know what your story is, where you might be. Neutral ground is good. Standing up, don't sit down. It just, it can be short and sweet. If there's more conversation to be had, it'll happen later. You want to leave them with the memory that all he said, no explanations, no caveats, no, just Bill said he was sorry and he gave me the money. You know, it's like whatever it, what, you know, <laughs> wow, you know, and we have no idea the impact we have on people when we do this. It's stunning to other people. I mean, you can count on one hand the time in your life that somebody came up to you and said they were sorry for anything. It mm. just doesn't happen. People don't do that. Right. You know? So especially when a bad guy like me goes to you and you're looking at me like, whoa, what's he want? You know, it was like, there was a lot of that in my amends. I mean, people were, I went to my high school reunion and people were shocked to see me <laughs> for one thing, you know, and uh, I went, I made amends to one guy and he looked at me and went, yeah, yeah, okay. And just walked away. He, he didn't want anything to do. I live in the neighborhood in the town that I was born and raised in, and I don't know anybody I went to high school with, and I don't think that's their fault. You know, it was, it was like that, you know? So my dad, I make amends to him. I leave the room. My wife and I at the time, my second wife, we're driving home from there, and it's about a 15-minute drive back to our house. And I'm driving, and something happened, and I started sobbing. I had to pull the car over. I was sobbing so hard. And it was like something reached down inside of me and just pulled out all of that rage and stuff just came out of me. Did it go to zero? No, but I had a cathartic experience. I'm, something happened. I started sobbing. My wife just put her hand on me and just like she knew what I'd done. You know, she, by this time, she's an Al-Anon. So she knew what was going on. And she knew the rift between him and I. And I got home and I, you know, I've never been the same since. I mean, it, it's subtle, but that was like, and that, that made a believer out of me. I go, this, there's something different going on here. This is important. Don't ignore this. Don't make light of it. No, don't just check them off the list. Really focus on that. That's what came out of that. Now, 10 years after that experience, 10 years, my dad calls me up. He's 80 years old by this time. I'm helping him do some stuff. It's near the end of his life, as it turned out. He calls me up and he says, hey, I'm trying to figure something. Can you come up here to the house and help, help me? So I drive up and sure, by this time, our relation, we're going to meetings together. His sobriety date was March the 28th. Mine's March the 27th. We were giving each other birthday cakes in the Hermosa Beach Ben Stag. For 15 years, we gave each other cakes. We sat together in the meeting. Took me about five years to get over to sit next to him. It's a slow process, <laughs> you know. But in the end, it was the Gordon and Bill show in March, you know, and we were giving each other cake. It was really sweet. And our relationship had healed over time. It got better and we became friendlier, you know. 
Like we would joke about it. There was a time we couldn't be around each other for five or 10 minutes. When it got good, we could do a whole hour, maybe even an hour and a half. Right. <laughs> it was, we didn't like go fishing together and stuff, you know, but we became friends. Did he have it, the same, uh, uh, the same gift of gab or, you know, the same. He used, he used to speak in AA. My mom and him both did. You know, they both, I've got some old cassette tapes of the two of them speaking together. They would wow. share a pitch together. It was really interesting. Back in the 50s. Wow. In the early 60s, yeah. Him and I, we spoke together one time. You know, I opened for him and he was the main speaker. And it was really fun. We'd make wow. fun of each other. It was yeah. hilarious. It was yeah. hilarious, you know. And uh, so, um, he, oh, ten, he calls me up and I go up to the house. He had a little kitchen table. My mother and I and him were sitting at this little kitchen table in their house. And he starts playing with the pencil. And I mean, you could always tell when he had something to say. And he starts off and he looks at me and he goes, this is a depression kid. This was, he was a race car driver and depression kid. These are the guys, the greatest generation, you know, the World War II generation. He never said he was sorry for any. It's one of those guys, you know, kind of just, just hard worked since he was 12 or 13 years old, grew up poor, made, you know, self-made man kind of thing. One of those guys, one of those guys that piss you off, you know, because <laughs> they're just very straight arrow, good Southern boy, you know? So he's sitting there and he starts and he says to me, he goes, you know, I've done some things to you that I'm not really proud of. It was shocking, man. I just stood there. I just almost took my breath away. My mother got up and left the table. She, it was like, it was stunning. And he started talking to me about some of those things. And he lowered his head and he started to cry. And I reached over and I held his hand. And I said, it's okay, daddy. It's all right. Don't, it's all right. We're good. We're good. We're good. And he stopped. Um, when they say don't leave before the miracle, mm. don't leave. Doesn't happen. It's not about getting sober so much. You have no idea the impact you're going to have. Ten years after I made amends to him, when the relationship got safe and when I didn't need him to say anything anymore, that's when it happened. Mm. That's when it happened. You know, 10 years wow. took 10 years. And that was for him. It wasn't for me because I really didn't need it. I knew he loved me. He finally, he was finally able to be proud of me. You know, it took that long. You know. Wow. It took experience. This is not an intellectual program. It's experiential. It's all about the experience. And then we tell the story from the future looking back. It makes sense when it's in the past. When you get some distance from it, and you can look back and go, oh, that's what happened. You know, It's really difficult to predict. I can't promise you that something like that will happen for you. But I can tell you, it happened to me. It happened to me. And when I didn't need it to happen anymore, that's when it happened, when it became safe. Um, I had an amends to make when I was 10 years sober. There was one significant amends on my list that I hadn't done. And I didn't want to do it. I wasn't going to do it. And... Years prior to this, um, I was this fat, drunken slob, and I was down at a friend of mine's house in Phoenix, and his wife had a sister that was a young girl. I think she was 16 or 17, and I tried to force myself on her. I'm 30-some years old. You know, I just drunk. She was sleeping on the couch, and I went and walked in there naked, and it was just embarrassing. It was embarrassing. Nothing actually happened. I was too drunk and stuff, and I went and passed out. And I woke up the next morning and realized what I'd done. And I just left the house and went back to the airport and flew home. And never, it was never spoken of after that. And I had that on a list. I don't even think I wrote it down the first time, the first go around. But I knew that that was there. And, and I just didn't want to, I didn't want to deal. It was too shameful. It was too embarrassing. A lot of other people were involved in it, and, and I, just, I just didn't want to do it. So this friend of mine whose house I was at, he was the best man at my wedding when I married my second wife. This was a good friend, and uh, he committed suicide, and uh, it was really tragic. And uh, 
his wife called me says that you know i want you to come to the memorial and i said of, of course i'll be there so i knew i was going to go there and i knew that girl would be there it was her sister you know this guy's ex-wife and i told jay i said i'm going he goes here it goes but this is it you, you got to do it you know this is the, this is the last one this is the one so i went down there there was a viewing and uh i couldn't pick her out she was grown up this was this had happened 20 years prior, you know, I mean, it was a long time. I didn't recognize her. And so I asked somebody and they pointed her out and I could saw her and I walked up to her and I, you know, I kind of wondered whether she'd even remember or whatever, you know, <laughs> like she wouldn't remember that, you know, I mean, my God. And I walked up to her and I said, you know, can I speak to you? And she just, she reached her hand up. She goes, no, no. It just pushed me away. So I retreated. You know, and I'm sitting there and I go, well, except when to do so would injure them or others. Maybe I need to let this go. Maybe this is too hard for, you know, and, I, and I'm sitting there and I had nobody to talk to. I mean, I'm, I'm just, there I was. And I knew, I said, I cannot avoid this. This has got to be done. I got I'm going to make another run at it. And I was sweating bullets and this was really hard. And I walked up to her and I said, please, can I speak to you just for a minute? I just have something to say, please please let me speak to you. She, okay. And she walks around this corner. It was in a funeral home and I walked around the corner and she's, she was very short and a little girl. She's a woman now. And I'm looking at her and I said, I had no right to do what I did to you that night. I, I am so ashamed. I've been ashamed all these years. And I just want to tell you that I'm so sorry that, you know, I'm, and, and I'm not a great believer in telling people that you're doing this in order for you to stay sober you know, I mean, I think that's just another chicken shit thing. You know, it's like, I'm doing it because I should do it. You know, it's for you. It's not for me, you know, and it's, I mean, really, come on. And, but what I did say to her, I said, I'm sober now. And I realized how shameful that was. And I, you know, and I'm just so sorry, please, you know, never ask for forgiveness and uh, don't lay anything on them. And she reached up, she couldn't look at me, but she reached up and she just patted me on the chest and walked away. And that was all I needed. You know, that was, that was it. So the next day we had the actual funeral and his brother had a, a party after the funeral. You know, I spoke at his funeral and stuff and, and so did this woman, this girl. So then we went to the little party at the brother's house and I was sitting at a picnic table and this girl, this woman walked over to me and sat down across the picnic table from me and just started talking to me about old times and like it was all gone. Oh. I had to get up and walk outside. It was so emotional. It still chokes me up. It was like, in me making amends, it freed her. I'm always thinking about myself. I have no idea. You know, women, you hear the story that they blame themselves and they feel guilt over stuff. And when I made that amends, it freed her. And I was able to spend that afternoon just talking with her like old times and none of it was ever mentioned and it was like it was gone. And that, and I said to Jay when I came home, my God, why did I wait all that time, you know, and carry that crap around with me? Well, the answer is sometimes it just gets given to you. This clearly was the right time for it to happen. And I can't orchestrate these things. But I can tell you the freedom when every time I tell that story, it just chokes me up. I see her face in front of me, you know, just another one of my victims. And, uh, and, and it freed her. You know, it, was, it was gone. Mm -hmm. This is transformation. This is how the transformation happens. These steps one through nine is about 10, maybe 15% of the program. It's not the work. It's sober 101. It's what the bare minimum that we have to do in order to have a message that has some depth and weight so we can start the work. And the work, the real work in AA is 10, 11, and 12. It's 85, 90% of the program. This is just the beginning. Very well said, Mr. Bilsey. God, I love that. Uh, you know, I... Uh Talk to, I don't know if you know Brenda J or not, but she's another regular on this uh, podcast. And uh, she asked me one time, she said that she talks to people after they've been out 
um, and went out and had a slip or whatever you want to call it. And she says to them, well, can you tell me exactly how you felt after you made the last amends of the ninth step on your list? And many times they have to revert back to, well, you know what? I never got there. And I think that's a big part of what you're saying is we have to do the work. You got to do it like it's laid out in the book. When you when you talk to those people, even if they don't go out, I mean, there's a hell of a lot of people in Alcoholics Anonymous that they're not sponsoring people. They're not doing them. They're probably okay. But I, what I wonder now is those people where all they have is the meetings and now there's no meetings to go to, what are they doing? Mm. You know, like, Somebody will come up and talk to me and, and they'll say, you know, I haven't done it like what you're talking about. And well, are you sponsoring people? No, that's because they don't have anything really to offer, mm-hmm. you know, and they, and they know that there's a sense about that, you know, that I, I haven't made, how can I guide somebody through the amends process if I haven't done it myself? What do I really have to give to them? Just what's written on page number such and such, you know, I, it doesn't work like that. This is a truly an intimate act. When you're working with people, you're sharing your life with them. They're the teachers. These people that come to me, they're the ones that are going to teach me. They're going to take me into a place I haven't been before. Now I look for that. For a long time, I wasn't really aware of that. But this this whole nine-step thing, when you do this, when you do this, you, you can hear people with the speakers in AA. If they've done it, you can hear it in their voice. It's a different tenor. You know, it's all from experience. Sure, yeah, we express opinions, but mostly we're telling our story. And the sober story becomes much more interesting than the drunkalogue. You know, and you, you guys that have done the amends process, you'll always hear some amends stories, you know, because they're the best ones. You know, <laughs> yeah. these, are, these are the best damn stories I've got. That and 12-step calls. Right. <laughs> like, those are, the, those are the stories, you know. This weirdo came to me and he said this, you know, and, and then when I went up to so-and-so and I paid back the money, he was stunned, you know. <laughs> Scott Redman tells this great story. If you ever heard Scott, you should listen to him. Great amen stories. But him and his wife, this guy loaned him his car, and they sold the car. They (laughs) sold the guy's car, right? And that's not the end of the story. He gets sober, and he comes back. The guy said to him when he sold, he says, you sold my car? How can you sell my car? (laughs) Then Scott comes back and pays him back the money, and the guy goes, you're paying me back. That was almost more <laughs> shocking than the fact that you sold the car, you know, but those are life changing stories, you That's know? Right. So when, when there's a guy sitting across from me and he's, he's on his amends, I've got something I can really offer to him. And one of those things is like what my sponsor did to me when he sent me off to talk to guys that had kids, made amends to them is I'll do the same thing. Well, I haven't had that experience, but I know Jerry, man, Jerry can, let's go talk to Jerry. You know, and he can tell you how he did that. You know, we used to have a banker guy around here that he was a failed banker. And and what his job was, was when the guys wanted to pay back the credit card companies and they didn't know how to do it because they won't take the money, we sent him to the banker. He says, I'll show you how to do it. I know how to, you know, you know that, that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, you have experts. There's experts in AA. You know, experts have wisdom because they have experience. Right. Oh, that's great. All right. Well, once again, this has been an, an absolute pleasure. Um, I'm going to read from 164, the big book to wrap us up. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past, what we've been talking about here today. Give freely of what you find and join us We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us, like me and Mr. Bill C., as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Once again, Mr. Bill C., thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. God bless you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Bill C. I so much enjoy spending time with you when we record these sessions. Uh, It's insightful. I get a lot of laughs. Um, You are a delight to work with, and uh, I, I really enjoyed that. And I pray to God 
that those listening to this around the world can gain insight from this that can help them move forward in their lives, uh, that can help them recover, uh, that can help them be better people and establish their own relationship with the God of their understanding and other human beings. Now, on to a little bit of a listener feedback for Ewan's. Kimia writes in, I think you would pronounce this, her name Kimia, it's K-I-M-I-A. Nonetheless, she DM'd on the Instagram and she says, John, I have been listening to your podcast for months and months. I just love pretty much every podcast episode, question mark? I don't know what you call each one. Laugh out loud. Yes, they're called episode. The whole thing is called a podcast and each little session, I guess is what you call it, is called an episode. You got that right, Kimia. And he said, anyway, she says, I was clean and sober for years and then I relapsed with the drinking. I am struggling. Especially since this pandemic came along, I haven't been able to get to meetings. I thank God for your podcast, though. It has really helped me. I'm trying my best to decrease my consumption and then be sober. Anyway, thank you for all that you do for the AA community and all of your guests slash speakers, Kimia. And then I think it's an emoji of a little... A little happy-looking pig, I think is what that is, and then a little heart. <laughs> I mean, it looks real happy, and uh, I'm sure it's a, a nice thing. And anyway, I told her I was going to read her message on the podcast, and she said, thank you so much for replying. Quadruple exclamation point. Oh my God, I will just die if you read anything related to me on your podcast, triple or oh, quadruple exclamation point, that would be so amazing. I'll be so honored and so excited. I cannot wait. Thanks again, John. <laughs> Double exclamation point. Lots and lots of love and positive energy from one of your huge fans, Kimia. Well, Kimia, um, I'm glad we can make your day, and you made ours as well. I so much appreciate you writing in. Jen posted in the Super Secret Facebook group. She said, need to check in for a moment with everybody. My husband and I, and by the way, this is not to me. This is to the group uh, as a whole. My husband and I were arguing because, quote, someone, unquote, forgot the suits and a change of clothes. Well, this escalated. We didn't have as much fun as we could have on this vacation. I even briefly thought about drinking. I went for a walk on this beautiful beach and it felt better. And she had a picture of the beach that, you know, the sand and the water and such. And then I saw a tent and chairs set up for a cremation ceremony. Wow, how that really put things into perspective. I am more than ever identifying as with empathy. I was so close to tears. I need to remember life is short. Sober is best and kindness is always important. Heart, heart. And then I think that's a moon symbol emojis. I get all these emojis mixed up, but nonetheless, um, and the reason I, I read that is because, well, number one, I, I really liked it. And I appreciated Jen being vulnerable there in the uh, Facebook group. But she got so much commentary, so many comments that came back to her. Um, it was just incredible. So anyway, thank you, Jen, for posting that in there. Kim writes in and Kim says, hi, John M. And she, by the way, the title of the of the email was hello johnny cakes and and a bunch of exclamation points uh, i don't know if i've ever been called johnny cakes before but i, I guess uh thanks <laughs> uh, and i don't know if i've mentioned this on the podcast but my my family actually i grew up 
as Johnny, my family, and and all my friends in high school and in in, in middle school and all that sort of stuff, they all still refer to me as Johnny. So anyway, it was just kind of funny. Uh, she said, "Hi, John M. Uh, it's Kim M. and the Pacific Northwest checking in. As I have not written in a while, I am still listening to the all the episodes in chronological order. I am caught up to June of this year now." I just finished listening to the JS episode while I was picking greens in my garden. <laughs> All right. And she says, do you occasionally st- still send out an email? Because I have never, because I haven't received one in forever. Please make sure I am on the list. So yes, I do send out uh, emails, but I try not to spam you guys. Uh, if you want to be on that list, send me your uh, email address to John at Soberspeak, J-O-H-N at Soberspeak.com. I can get you on the list, but I try not to send them out too often, uh, and it's probably time to get something out there. But, you know, here's the thing. A lot of people are uh, writers, and they sit down, and they write out all their thoughts and stuff like that. I'm more of a, well, maybe this is obvious, I'm more of a talker. <laughs> and and so, uh, I don't know whether just to send out just the episodes, so say, listen here, because most of you listen in other ways, and, and I want to have something important to tell you if I send it out, but nonetheless, uh, I I digress. And anyway, she said, John, I thought you might like to hear this. As a refresher, I am not an AA member. I am just a non-drinker for 10 years now. When I first found this podcast back in March or April, I was struggling with thoughts of drinking. I had no one to reach out to for support or advice. So I searched podcasts and I was lucky enough to find Sober Speak and it has helped me more than words can express. I had no idea what AA was really all about, but as soon as I was through 10 or 20 episodes, I knew I wanted what y'all have. You have helped me, and many of your speakers have helped me see things in myself that I didn't even know were in there to examine. These experiences everyone has, though the experiences everyone has shared has given me the knowledge and courage to admit I am an alcoholic. And this is the part I thought you may like to hear. I occasionally mention to my husband bits of things David G says, Gary K, Bill C, and my husband has expressed an interest in listening to those guys, triple exclamation point. I wish, which I hope will make him willing to listen to even more episodes. Bill C's insight that we missed all the life lessons other teenagers were learning really hit home with us. And we both started as we both started using around 12 years old, even at our ages, 54 and 56, we have a lot of growing up to do. I am just so happy. My husband is opening open to listening and learning. It is something I was hoping for, but leaving up to the higher power in my life. Anyway, just wanted to say hey and let you know you are still so big SO appreciated exclamation point times four. Every single episode gives me a new thought to ponder or a new perspective to examine. A big thank you and shout out to all your guests and for all your service. Oh, thanks, Kim M. Your biggest fan, laugh out loud, Kim M. P.S. Here's an idea that came to me one day, and it makes me smile every time I think of it. You, John M., need to have Jimmy D. introduce you on one of the episodes. He is like the Ed McMahon, and you are like Johnny Carson, you know? Jimmy D can say live from the Sober Speak studio in Dallas, Texas. Here's Johnny. <laughs> what do you think? Well, you know, Kim, I actually sent that over to uh, uh, Jimmy <laughs> so he could look at it. And he said, I'm at your service if you need it, buddy. So anyway, <laughs> we'll we'll see where that goes. But that, <laughs> thank you for writing in, Kim. Dustin. <clears throat> writes in 
And he says, hi, John, I wanted to thank you for your services. I find everything about your podcast entertaining, including your silly laugh and your sense of humor. I think some people would disagree with that, but thank you, Dustin. I just celebrated seven months of sobriety and believe you are helping many people stay connected during these times of limited meetings. I would love to have the invite to the Super Secret Facebook group. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Dustin Y. N. Alliance, Ohio. Well, Dustin, why? Or should we say, why, Dustin, why? Anyway, uh, Dustin Y in Alliance, Ohio. Thank you so much for writing in. Congratulations on your seven, your, uh, your uh, seven months of sobriety. And as you know, uh, I got you out that uh, uh, invite to the Super Secret Facebook group. We'll look forward to having you as part of that. And I really appreciate you writing in. Ryan writes in and he says, uh, what's up, John? I'm giving you a shout out from Portland, Oregon. Oh, you guys have a lot of stuff going on up there right now. Anyway, he says, I love what you've got going on with Sober Speak. It's the meeting in between meetings, but for me, it's the closeness. Oh, but for me, it's the closeness and, con- and connection with Alcoholics Anonymous during tough times, that which we walk in today. You have brought to the table a way out while on the go and throughout the day. Thank you for keeping the fire. Ooh, there's a big flame on my screen. Uh, It's a little uh, emoji with a flame. Back up, John M. Don't get lit. Anyway, uh, you have kept the fire lit out there for us who seek the better life through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Big heart. Thank you, Mr. Ryan, for writing in. And uh, uh, keep safe up there in Portland, my friend. Bob wrote in and he said, John, love the podcast. I spent a lot of time in my truck throughout the day and and having a resource like the podcast has been very helpful. Thanks for all you do. Triple exclamation exclamation point. Well, you're welcome, Bob. And thank you for listening, my friend. I really do appreciate it. Um, Joe M or Joe, excuse me. It's not a Joe M. I don't know. Oh, I was looking at it. She DM'd on the IG, writing in a direct message on the gram. Anyway, Joe says, thank you for your podcast, John. I am in Sydney, Australia. Australia? Well, crikeys. Uh, shrimp on the barbie. Uh, I, why do I start yelling Australian things uh, in a really bad accent when I say Australia? But I don't know. Nonetheless, uh, she says, I've been listening to you and all of your speakers for a good six weeks. I can't go a day without hearing you guys. The funny thing is, though, the podcast has changed my mindset. I decided 14 days ago that I couldn't be bothered drinking anymore. It actually made me feel a bit sick thinking about even having a bottle of wine. So here I am giving it a crack. I've tried many times to stop before, but I white knuckle it and then give in for any excuse given to me. Not this time. I feel like I have you, Shannon, and all your speakers with me on this one, big smiley face. It's such a great feeling knowing I have a group that th- that's there for me whenever I put my earphones on, and I'm so thankful to you guys. Now, there's a smiley face with sunshades, there's a smiley face with hearts around it, and then there's some praying hands, and then there's another heart. I am emoji uh, riddled right now. Nonetheless, <laughs> she says, and also, can I say this? The diversity of thoughts and coping ne- mechanisms that different speakers talk about is so good. Triple exclamation point. Saving my life right now. Big smiley face, Joe. And then I told her I was going to read the this on the, on the podcast uh, coming up. And then she put, that's awesome. Thank you so much. I think it's true to say that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. That's what happened with me, for me, by finding this podcast. That is for sure. And there's another big smiley face and another smiley face with the the triple hearts. (laughs) 
on on his face. But anyway, Joe in Australia, in Australia, thank you so much for writing in. William, direct messages on the Instagram as well. And he says, thank you, John. Your commitment to service is extraordinary. And I think there's about six exclamation points right there. I am a member of the Serenity by the Sea group in Bay Shore, New York. Well, Hello to everybody out there in the Serenity by the Sea group in Bay Shore, New York. Anyway, he says, I'm sober over 24 years. The Sober Speak podcast has broadened my horizons past the in-person meetings I've missed. Our group is back in action, but I will continue to enjoy listening to you and your band of merry speakers. <laughs> Band of Merry Speakers. I like that. Uh, Thank you so much, William. We appreciate it. And then finally, Patrick DMs on the Instagram and he says, Hey, John, thank you for your service. The, The meetings are truly my meeting between meetings. Your show helps me and many others more than you will ever know. Thank you for your service. Well, Patrick, my friend, thank you so much for contacting us. I appreciate it. And I'm glad. I'm so glad with all of you writing in. And even when you're not writing in, I'm thankful that you allow me to be a part, a small part of your journey. All right, folks. Excuse me. Looks like my voice is giving out. I'm glad we're uh, wrapping this up. That wraps it up for another week of Sober Speak. We'll take this one week at a time. I'll probably be back next week. Uh, I say that every week, but uh, I take it one week at a time. God bless you all. Love you. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. <laughs>